0: Hello and welcome to Brain Trust Live number 454.
1: This week on the podcast, Donald Trump is finally on the right side of history in his final choice for his DeSantis nickname.
0: Plus, the supposed moderates are entering the race, and they're just as terrible as the fascists.
1: And Diane Feinstein learns about her career's most important announcement from the media, just like we all did.
0: Plus, the updated UFO score, trillion dollar American military won, $100 Mylar balloon Zero. Take that, balloon hobbyists.
1: And if you suspect you're in an environmental disaster, you probably are. Even if the government is distracted by flying balloons.
0: We'll have all this and more.
1: This is Braintrust Live. Hey y'all, I'm Brent.
0: I'm Lila, and you can find us on the web at www.braintrustlive.com. Here we are. Here we are. You're looking at Lila Nordstrom, pickleball champion extraordinaire. That's right. Won a pickleball tournament. By the week.
1: way, you will not find a podcast with two better racket sport players. Too
0: true. Too <laughs> true. If you judge your political podcast, pod, pod, podcast, <laughs> podcast on the basis of their racket sport prowess, yeah, then you've hit the jackpot here. That's right. So
1: the Nordstrom Pickleball Champion, Brent Thornburg Tennis Champion.
0: We have it all. We can do it all. (laughs) That's right. Except for bowling. I cannot bowl.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm not a great bowler either.
0: I've also realized that people seem really shocked that I have turned out to be really good at pickleball because I think people don't think of me. You used to play tennis too, though. I know. and people don't think of me, though, as like an athlete in that sense because I'm little, Right. And so, like, I have no skill at, like, basketball and volleyball and all the sports yeah, sure. that people, like, really talk about. You don't need about. to be
1: a gigantic person to play pickleball. You sure
0: don't. You could be... Notably, actually, Teeny, tiny, or old. Yeah, And be or great old. at pickleball. Right. <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> Especially if you're playing doubles in pickleball, you movement is really... I mean, you could have... You don't even need feet, really. That's too
0: true. <laughs> right. You need a racket. And you know what's helpful is if you don't have a runner... Having a tall person on your team is helpful. That's very true. You need one or the other.
1: You do have to actually run. I'm yes. always surprised. I always tell myself that it's not that much exercise, and then whenever I do end up playing, I'm yes. always tired when I'm done playing pickleball, and I'm like, "But how did I? How?"
0: I know you're running. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. Shorter distances than tennis, but you're running more somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, you're—it's silliness. You know, you yeah. feel more tired playing a silly sport than yeah. a serious sport. So that yeah. also I think contributes. Yeah. to Yeah,
1: congratulations to so pickleball champion. Check out why I was a. Uh, Instagram if you want to see <laughs> if photo, want to know more photo, of photos of her winning her coveted championship.
0: It was a big deal, let yeah. me just say.
1: Yeah. I didn't mean to steal your thunder by uh talking about my tennis game.
0: No, I feel yeah. like you're right that this is this is a podcast is of racket sports <laughs> yeah. champions, is yeah. what it is.
1: Yeah.
0: Um <clears throat> in any case, the in in sort of top line American news yeah. this week, we have sad news, but also I think triumphant news in its own way. Because so Jimmy Carter entered hospice. Yeah. Um, which of course is terrible. But also, big ups to him for outliving both Reagan and Poppy Bush I and know. also being a force for good for and like for his entire
1: retirement like career. Multiple rounds of brain cancer. I mean, like this man is ninety eight. Like he was not trying to I mean, not trying to die. No. No. And, and he did a good job at he's it. He's been for, killing it
0: at that for years. He's <laughs> really had cancer has. for like most of our so, adult lives. I know. So I the only sad part of all of this is that Dick Cheney is still alive. I know. I was hoping that he would outlive Dick Cheney. I know. But he did pretty good. Henry
1: Kissinger, I think. Isn't he still alive? Yeah, I know. Like, there's some of these other old political figures that, like, deserve to be dead.
0: Right. And Jimmy Carter, if he'd gone on living forever. Deserves to live forever. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Basically, just would be like a never ending force for good.
1: Easily our greatest ex president. Truly. I'm sure people are going to debate his presidency upon his death and, like, do that if you're a presidential historian. We're not that. No. Um, But, I mean,. In the, the
0: best ex president we've ever had. The
1: years after his presidency cannot can't be debated.
0: <laughs> and and the longest ex-president we've ever right. had. Yeah. So we're sad to hear that. We, I think he
1: was building a house last week, he, Jimmy Carter. I, I mean
0: probably was. <laughs> I, he's been doing like Habitat for Humanity into his late nineties yeah. while suffering from cancer. Yeah. So and wearing bolo ties. I mean, he does it all, you know. <laughs> right. So um yeah. so you know, good like, we're we're hoping that I think the Carter family sort of intends to carry on his legacy. Yeah, and so hopefully he has just sort of created a force for good, yeah. more broadly speaking, which seems just like Jimmy Carter to yeah, do that's that.
1: Right. Yeah, so, and from our best ex president to our worst ex president.
0: That's right. <laughs> so it's been a, it's a steep fall that you're about to suffer right here, <laughs> right. you
1: guys. So now we're going to talk about Donald Trump.
0: That's right. Um, but really, the most important uh, presidential election news of the week, yeah, has come.
1: We finally have some clarity on the Ron DeSantis nickname. Because, did we talk about yes, that last week? I think we week? did. I can't we, remember. We had
0: expressed some concern, I believe, at least privately amongst ourselves, if not on the podcast. I think right. we did talk about it on the podcast. But, so, we've gone on the record as saying that Ron De sanctimonious is the best nickname Trump's ever come up Peak. with. Peak. I mean, it's, it's and clever he proved even it, for a non-Trump right. person. And he
1: proved it in this... Well, it's not a tweet, but his truth his truth out or truth whatever or. It, it is, I don't even know, right. that he that we're going to talk about in a second, because he referenced some of his old nicknames, which are not as good.
0: Not as good at all. No, yeah. but there was a little bit of a confusing situation that broke out. I think it was last week. Yeah. Because um, there, there were, were reports there, in the media. There were some reports in the, the lame media. media. The lamestream media. The lamestream media had indicated that he might be using a second nickname for Ron DeSantis, yeah. which is just Meatball Ron. <laughs> Meatball
1: Ron. <laughs> which, which is good, and it's own ways that's still better than lightweight paul ryan and low energy jeb bush that's right
0: i mean i liked low energy jeb bush because of jeb exclamation point i felt like that was at least he was riffing on something yeah whereas it's like i don't care about like lightweight paul get out of here with that (laughs) and like i've often said that i've been disappointed about crooked hillary
1: oh yeah because it's
0: just like not that clever no
1: i know like anyone could be crooked in politics
0: yeah it's like get out of here with that come up with something better (laughs) yeah that's so in any case, we had been really impressed with Rhonda Sanctimonious because yeah. that is by far the best nickname he's ever come up with in his entire life. Yeah. And then to get reports from the lamestream media that he was using a secondary, less clever nickname when he had already hit his peak as a nicknamer. Yeah. And to I, I, it turns out he was as concerned about that as we were. <laughs> right. Because he, he went out of his way this week to clarify that he was not in fact replacing right. Rhonda Sanctimonious' nickname.
1: Yeah, at like 1 a.m., he... Truth out, out. Truth (laughs) Truth truth out. (laughs) Uh, I will never call Ron DeSanctimonious Meatball Ron, as the fake news is insisting I will. Even though Fox News killing lightweight Paul Ryan is revered by him, him, low energy Jeb Bush is his hero and always at his side, he is, his beaches and state were closed for long periods of time, his testing, testing, testing for the China virus didn't work out too well, and his loyalty Uh. skills are really weak. It would be totally inappropriate to use the word meatball as a moniker for Ron.
0: What does Trump think meatballs are? I, I
1: don't know. I mean, I think that... Well, it's <laughs> loyal people. Because...
0: Who, loyal things that don't test for coronavirus. I know. <laughs> I
1: That was the... His loyalty think... skills. I love that his <laughs> I, loyalty <laughs> skills are really weak. But also, does he think meatball is a compliment and that's why he's mad? No, I don't know. Do you think that, like... I mean... I never really understood whether that was like in reference to like the size and shape of Ron DeSantis. But That's like, what i they're, they're similarly shaped, but also was that going after him for being Italian?
0: Oh, that's interesting. Well, and is that be. something
1: that he was concerned about? Like does he have a large Italian voting <laughs> block? I don't know.
0: I feel like in my mind, Meatball Ron was meant to refer to the shape of Ron DeSantis' head. But I
1: Oh, see in my I thought it was the whole, whole like, general well, body shape.
0: This is why Trump is mad that people thought he was using such a terrible nickname for Ron DeSantis right, because it was it's, it's not clear. <laughs> right. Ron picture. Yeah, that's, and he's right to get ahead of this story. Can you imagine if for the rest of the election we have to hear about him call, him talking about Meatball Ron and he yeah. has to live with the knowledge that he came up with Ron DeSanctimodius right, and nobody's using an it? accidental flash of brilliance and no one's yeah. using it. That would be yeah. incredibly embarrassing, not just for him, but for America.
1: Yeah, you know? exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, but luckily... The two of them are not the only terrible people running for president. <laughs> no. So we have more news on that for well, this he's, week.
1: He's not running for president yet. Ron DeSanctimonious. Oh, right.
0: Ron DeSanctimonious right. de isn't, but in another more important sense, he definitely is. So <laughs> right. we do have that right. uh, yeah, we do. to work with. Yeah. Um, and this is, by the way, as as Carla Nordstrom has reminded us repeatedly <laughs> throughout this process, this is not the time to worry about people who are theoretically front oh, runners. it's too early. And, like you can be calling Ronda Sanctimonious the front runner in the presidential election till the cows come home two years before the presidential, and that means nothing. Yeah. Whether or not he runs will be determined by how his reign as front runner goes. Yeah. But he is effectively running even if he's not running because the media is running him. Yeah. So don't worry about semantics. Yeah. At this <laughs> moment, I agree. Um. But also, don't worry about him. Don't worry about any of this. No. Worry (laughs) if America starts using the wrong Trump nickname for Rhonda (laughs) Sinatra, because that would be embarrassing on a level that none of the rest of this is. Yeah. In any case, Nikki Haley is running for president. Yeah.
1: Finally announced.
0: Finally announced. She's hitting the right-wing cred scene hard.
1: Right. She's like one of these people who, like, I think would like to fancy herself as a moderate, but, you know, we're going to talk about Larry Hogan in a second. And I think these people who... First off, she's not, and she right. also never was. So and, that's a problem. And for she's her, only but, like, getting more extreme. And she's right. And I think that like the issue always in a Republican primary is that you have to win. You have you have to lose to win. That's right. Right? Isn't there a win yeah. to lose or whatever? You what have is to lose.
0: Our, to, you to, have to to be the kind of candidate <laughs> who can win the general. You have to lose the primary, yeah. but you can't lose the primary and run in the general. So it's a complicated, well, it's a complicated that situation. Set up for right? Yeah. Because.
1: If Nikki Nikki, you can't you can't be a moderate in the Republican yeah. primary because you can't win. So Nikki Haley is like, I have just the thing That's <laughs> here. Right. I'll say Ron DeSantis isn't going far enough with his fascism. That's right. And then also surround myself with a bunch of anti-gay and anti-Catholic and anti-Semitic uh, pastors. Yeah. Um, just and for good measure. Just, just, get a, get just for good there. measure, as yeah. I announce my
0: candidacy. Yeah. So this week she criticizes Ron DeSantis for not going far enough with the don't say gay laws, <laughs> right. which notably. Uh, weak and mild laws that Ronda Santis has supported. <laughs> yeah. And then her first presidential campaign rally, she has uh, John Hagee open it, who's a, one of, he's like a televangelist pastor who's on the record as being basically anti-everything. Yeah. He's definitely anti-Semitic. He's anti-gay. and But yes. also, he's anti-Catholic. Anti-Catholic, he's, yeah. You know, he, he's hit the whole... He's anti-Islam, obviously. <laughs> hit the whole scene very hard. Here's some exciting things about him. Um, and I only raise this to then tell you... Um, why, why Nikki Haley, uh, or what Nikki Haley said about him at the rally. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is his first, his first like foray into politics is to literally endorse George Wallace. <laughs> Fame famous segregation segregationist of 1968 lore. Yep. Um, he endorsed John McCain, and then John McCain had to um, publicly renounce the endorsement because he, you know, an anti-Semitic sermon that he... He's one of those people that's like, we've got to get the Jews to Israel to get this whole thing underway. Oh, yeah. And so he's very... He's both anti-Semitic because he's mad at the Jews for not being in Israel, mm. but also mad about everyone else not being nice to Israel. It's a very confusing... <laughs> he's one of those people. You know, it's a yeah. confusing dynamic. Um, he's anti-Islam. He said a lot of bullshit about... Um, Islam, but also notably anti-Catholic, and I love when someone can hit that trifecta. I think that's a really <laughs> special kind of person. Um, he he has suggested that Hitler's Catholic background contributed to his anti-Semitism. That's what I'm saying. Like these yeah. people say anti-Semitic things, but also then are mad at other people for being anti-Semitic. Uh huh. Um, but also has referred to the Catholic Church as the apostate Church and the great whore, among <laughs> other. Anti-Catholic remarks.
1: (laughs) My favorite thing is that he has claimed that the Antichrist is going to be gay. And then he also created this blood moon prophecy, Mm. which suggested that a series of lunar events that began in 2014 were the start of the end times as described in the Bible. Which makes good sense. Uh, (laughs) uh, 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 So it's important
0: (laughs) that you know all of that because Linky Haley gets on after this guy speaks and says, first of all, says the American people are not full of hate. We are full of love and we are sustained by faith, which is a hilarious thing to say right before saying to Pastor Hagee. I still say I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> A man who notably hates everyone.
1: All
0: right. So that's pretty exciting. Um,
1: uh,
0: other politi- other presidential hopefuls also either teasing or announced. Uh, Marion Williamson. The tease has begun. Yeah, guys. Brent's in.
1: I'm all in.
0: Brent's getting I'm- just absolutely trolled by me and Grant on our text.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Grant, uh, Grant. He's trolling you. Don't.
1: Oh, is I mean, he? he's
0: not trolling you the way I'm trolling you. Certainly, <laughs> I'm the lead troll here. Uh, well, he's eye rolling while I troll you.
1: <laughs> that's fine. Fair enough. Yeah, um, that's fine. Yeah, both, um, she and Nikki Haley spoke to huge crowds in New Hampshire, <laughs> which would like, mean
0: like five to six people,
1: right? I mean. Marianne Williamson didn't say that she was speaking to a huge crowd, so I'm going to let her have a pass here. But she said... She was speaking to a small room. She she said speaking to New Hampshire, and she was speaking directly to one person sitting in a chair next to her in this (laughs) photograph. Nikki Haley posted a picture, or someone from her campaign did, and was like speaking to a large group of voters in New Hampshire. And it was exactly four people other than her in a room.
0: Which, in New Hampshire, maybe that's what they call a crowd. (laughs) I couldn't say. But it does... (laughs) Make you wonder about the new primary yeah. process,
1: right? She, and Marianne Williamson didn't announce that she's running for president. She announced that she's going to announce.
0: Yeah, she did one of those <laughs> announcements to announce uh, she's exploring the whatever. Like, you know how people announce that they're exploring the possibility. Well, of she'd a already president?
1: Ex, she'd already announced an exploratory committee. We're in that right. phase now.
0: Yeah, we're post exploratory <laughs> committee, but pre committed announcement. announcement. It's like the it's the announcement where you've explored but you haven't committed. <laughs> right. So she's in an. But exciting, you actually have. But you and you're have just going around
1: pretending like you haven't for whatever mysterious. If you reason.
0: paid for a flight to New Hampshire, it was not because you thought <laughs> that their like clam chowder was the best or whatever. I can't even think of a th- like, if because th- yeah, you were trying know. to buy fireworks. Like I don't even know what you would be going to New Hampshire for. <laughs>
1: right.
0: Otherwise. Yeah. But I mean, it could be that if you end up in New Hampshire by accident, though, you will be there forever because they don't have any fucking road signs yeah. in New Hampshire. So that's something to consider for everyone yeah. who's running for president. But in any case, um, <clears throat> other potential. Uh, exploratory slash running pre-commitment, but post yeah, uh, tease people and Larry, Ho- Larry Hogan,
1: right? Larry Hogan, the former government of Maryland, who was termed out. He had <laughs> he to, just did the t- former
0: government of Maryland
1: <laughs> government ran the entire government <laughs> <Right>. of Maryland <laughs>
0: the,
1: single-handedly yeah.
0: single-handed government uh, of Maryland, and that's why they like him so much <laughs> that's right. there
1: because that's the thing about he is a person more so than Nikki Haley, who clearly is going to like try to some degree to seem like a reasonable person, right. but also, like, appeal to MAGA and good luck. If she can thread that needle, then she deserves to right. be <laughs> queen of the universe. That's
0: a math problem that deserves right. a Nobel Prize. I don't right.
1: f- I, Yeah, exactly. Larry Hogan is not going to probably attempt to do that because his whole yeah. thing has been, like, being an actual never-Trumper and not a never-Trumper who, like, sometimes will then saddle up to him when it's convenient for him. He right. actually is a never-Trumper. He's the type of person that, like, would I want to be president? No. And I would never vote for him in this lifetime or the next. But he is the type of person who probably would win a general election for president. I mean, he left his time running the entire government of Maryland (laughs) with
0: the government of Maryland with
1: with the 70 with a 77 percent approval rating. And that's a blue state. Yeah. So like. Most of the Democrats in Maryland, and he's got a Mitt Romney
0: esque quality that's not quite as unappealing as Mitt Romney because Mitt Romney also doesn't know how to interact with human beings and is too rich to be sort of like in the world. I feel like Larry Hogan, though, is is carrying forth that tradition of being the red governor of a blue state and trying to kind of like be an actual moderate. Yeah, I my suspicion for him then is, and this is something I sit up at night worrying about with some of these people who try to decide that they're going to run for president as moderates is that they that, that they they exploratory around realize uh-huh. that there's no room for them in the Republican primary and try to run in the Democratic primary.
1: Oh, interesting. These
0: people are people you have to watch out for. I the, I think that the that Mitt Romney is the last time that the that that kind of a candidate is ever going to win the Republican primary <coughs> just because of how insane yeah. things
1: have gotten. Yeah, you can't. Larry Hogan's going to get laughed out of the Republican yeah. primary. I but mean, honestly,
0: if Joe Biden can win the Democratic primary, Larry Hogan can win it. Uh,
1: it's too true. Too true. <laughs> right. Larry Hogan is probably more aligned with Joe Biden than he is with Donald Trump. He
0: absolutely and, and is. And that, that is
1: That's an the indictment. That's, That's an indictment of everyone. I, I was going to, an indictment of everyone. I <laughs> intended it to be an indictment on Joe Biden, just to be clear. Right. I <laughs> want to make that clear to all but it of it our listeners. it turns out everyone's <laughs>
0: implicated in that indictment.
1: Uh, right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Least of all Larry Hogan, actually. I, I think truly. think <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's almost a compliment to him. <laughs> it is in the midst of so much <laughs> criticism. Uh, but I worry about that with these people. That keeps me up at night: the thought of Larry Hogan-esque figures deciding that their only path to the presidency is through the Democratic primary system, because yeah. the Democrats will eat their own to get a moderate into the general election.
1: Love, love
0: that. doing that. Not afraid yeah. at all. The Republicans are too rabid at this no, point yeah, to do no. anything.
1: Yeah, fuck Larry so Hogan.
0: Nikki Haley is out here trying to, you know, having to be like a anti-everyone. And being mad about the don't say gay laws not being anti gay enough, yeah, um, and that's because she knows what she has to do to win that primary,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. but um, we'll see. He is another one who announced an announcement. Yes, an announcement coming later this spring.
0: But he also said he's been waffling because there. Are, if you look at the like the the combination of headlines about him. And it's like one of the, because he announced his announcement, there's been like every two hours, there's a new news story about it. When you look at the sum total of those news stories, half of the headlines are that he's definitely going to announce and half are that he's maybe not going to announce. And it's really (laughs) hard to tell what his plan is. He's basically been waffling because he doesn't want to get accused of being a spoiler who ends up um, being, splitting the vote and giving Trump the election. Yeah. And I love...
1: A spoiler to... Who though? Well, <laughs> who's he steal who's he stealing votes from? That's
0: the question we're all asking ourselves. But I love that this is the first time I've ever heard a Republican have to voice that concern. Yeah. Normally they're just like, well, I'll just get in there.
1: If anything Usually he,
0: Democrats are right. out here if
1: doing anything, that. If anything, the only way he does win is if to Nikki to be a spoiler. Is if well, to be a spoiler or if, you know, if Nikki Haley continues running as she is, and Donald Trump runs as he will, right. and Ron DeSanctimonious decides to run as well. And Josh Hawley decides to right. run. Or who whoever, are the other then, moderates then, he's
0: thinking is going to... Right, I
1: was going to say. Then that that is how he wins.
0: Yes. No, I... It's so funny because... So this is like a concern that you, that doesn't... You don't hear from progressive Democrats, but gets leveled at progressive Democrats a lot. They're all going to be spoilers. As if... And there's way fewer of them in the race ever than there are moderates. So I don't know who they're spoiling for. They're just <laughs> spoiling for right. the person who's decided preemptively that they're going to win. But... His sort of like implication here is that there are other never-Trump or moderates in the race that would be competing for votes with the same pool of voters. Who are they? And I cannot think of one person in my head who he would have to split votes with himself. I know. He could split votes off of a Nikki Haley who presents herself as a moderate, but is actually like a rabid right-wing, like, you know, furious Republican. Yeah. He could split votes off of a Josh Hawley. He could, like, some of the people who are going to be... Positioned as moderates in the realm of Donald Trump to yeah, Nikki yeah, Haley yeah. are are going to be people he could split votes off of, but that's not how Trump ends up winning the election. That's how no. nobody but him ends up. I, like I, I agree. it's insanity. Yeah. In any case, and not a brilliant strategist it turns out Larry Hogan when Probably it comes not. to Republican politics because he's going to run as a Democrat. Don't worry about it, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. We got some very exciting news that I wish was a little more exciting in the sense that I wish it was act it, it was uh. It, a- takes action starting now, but it doesn't. It's fine. Uh, Dianne Feinstein finally announced that she's not going to run for re-election.
1: I know. Well, she finally did.
0: her staff announced it.
1: <laughs> right. I Although, I, I will say, I had gotten to the point, and I think I've said it on this podcast before, where I, at, now that like we know that Schiff and Katie Porter are running, I was hoping that she would try and run again. <laughs> oh, love <laughs> it. Because, like, the, 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 some... the only thing that would make me happy about our entire time with Dianne Feinstein as our senator, at least in the last two terms that she has held, right. would be if she could have her ass handed to her electorally, which is what should have happened in both of the last terms right. had anybody in California been actually like...
0: Paying any attention a to lot anything.
1: Awake. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, so... Anyway, but she's retiring, so that's also good news. (laughs) And she intends to finish her term, also good news. Because the one thing that I had been very concerned about, and I don't need to go into it in detail again because I've done it a million times, but like I was afraid she was going to retire and then we were going to get saddled with
0: Adam Schiff or
1: any other loser that, you know, Gavin Newsom I might have. I uh, was happy
0: her. when Adam Schiff announced because then that made it impossible for Newsom to uh, sort of like hand him the. It would have been such a bad look if, with a competitive primary between two rising stars in the state who are both yep. House members, to give one of them the right to finish out the term. That I think the two of that, Katie Porter and Adam Schiff announcing, actually stopped Gavin Newsom from being able to appoint either of them to be the candidate. Uh-huh. And I thought that was pretty special. And I was like, maybe we have an opportunity here. But of course, we didn't take the opportunity, because Dianne Feinstein certainly intends to finish out her term, whether or not she knows she intends that. Right. She certainly didn't know that she had announced she was running, uh, was not running for re-election. Right,
1: because they put out the statement, and then the press asked her about it. And she said, well, I haven't made that decision. I haven't released anything. And then one of her aides said, Senator, we put out your statement. And she said, oh, you put out the statement? I should have known they put it out. And my guess is, and yes, she's right. They should. Someone have told known. her. I was going to say, my guess is that she did know, as early as seconds before she was asked about it that's right um you know and i don't say that in an attempt to make fun of her but like she's, no but i do say that in has, an attempt
0: to be represented by someone who can remember from minute to minute what's uh, going
1: on that's w- what we're getting at here yeah. is that having someone you know, one of the two senators in the large... We're already underrepresented in the Senate because God knows knows how many tens of millions of people live in California. I lose track all the time. It's 40. (laughs) 40, I thought so. (laughs) You know, are represented by two people in the Senate and one of them has dementia. Right. It's not ideal.
0: It's not ideal. It's not great news for Californians.
1: No. So, anyway.
0: Anyway. But that is uh, an exciting development in that there was maybe legitimate concern that she would never announce she wasn't going to run. <laughs> yeah. And we were all... just. I feel like this got engineered, actually, by her aides with... I They obviously back-channeled with Porter and Schiff's teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, Schiff had announced that he had spoken to her yeah. like back, I think, in December or something exactly. like that. So I think that They've been he, back-channeling. he knew, specifically, yeah. because she also, I think, will probably end up endorsing him, which is insane. But, like, yeah. um, because I think that he has sort of, like, fancied himself like a protege of hers, even though he's in the house, right? Aren't they close, I think? I
0: think so. And I I think also, um, they're close politically.
1: Well they're close politically. Oh yeah. Oh, we haven't talked about this because I think it happened this week. I don't think we talked about it last week anyway, that he's uh trying to get entry into the progressive caucus. Oh
0: my god. (laughs) An unbelievable but also entirely believable tournament. Right. He
1: decides to run for Senate. And then he's like, oh, I need in the Progressive Caucus because I need California voters to think I'm a progressive.
0: Sir, you are not. We know. Right. Friend. You're not a progressive. <laughs> and I, you just can't start your career in the Blue Dog Caucus and end up in, you just can't be there.
1: No. Get, They'll let him in, though, because who are they? Well, they're, they're all.
0: Absolutely they're absolutely going to let him in. They they're love. are all the
1: moralist hacks. People, those people. In. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. it's.
0: I mean, on the one hand, it would be great if they were doing that and then were able to sort of like wield power with votes, which they should be able to do since every member, it's very trendy to be in the Progressive Caucus right now. So everyone's trying to do it. Yeah. The problem that they have is they finally have the trends working in their favor and have, because of that, some leverage in the House.
1: They don't use it. They don't know how to use it. They
0: wield any of that power effectively at all. Yeah. So that's too bad.
1: That is too bad. Um, we also, also have some local. Yeah, we hadn't really mm-hmm. talked about this, but there was a, uh, there were some reports that um, Paul Kerkorian, who's our LA City Council president after Nuri Martinez had to resign. That's right. <laughs> um, there was some talk that he was going to be running for CA30, which is Schiff's district. Yeah. And he announced this week that he is not.
0: I have a recommendation for all members of the City Council, whether or not they were involved in the scandalous uh, yeah. end of Nuri Martinez and non-scandalous end of Kevin DeLeon and Gil Cedillo. Yeah. Um well, scandalous, but not scandalous, in that Kevin De Leon is just still out still here, there. still out here being <laughs> yeah. the city council. If you are a member of the LA City Council right now, you should leave it there. Do not well, run for higher office. I, know. I don't the, unless you came in on the wave of these people's demise. You know, like, I yeah. you know, I don't think that Eunice Hernandez, for example, needs to not ever run for anything again because of these idiots. But, like, if you are an institutionalist in the L.A. City Council, which Paul Krikorian most absolutely is. Well,
1: I think the reason, I think he's being turned out, actually, because we do have term limits. But there's a lot because he's been there for quite some time. Been there so forever. It made me wonder what our term limit situation is. I know. Are they is, like but...
0: 100 years? Like, <laughs> I
1: think so. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. like,
0: even if you are termed out of the L.A. City Council right now, find a new career. Yeah, you, it's too late. No, I agree. You did. It.
1: I know. I agree.
0: Um, because that is, I'm, yeah. like these people do not, in given how obscene that scandal was last year, there's not one member of the LA City Council that deserves to have a career in politics after they finish their City Council term, or even while they have a City Council. Term. I know. But yeah. in any case, so get out of town with that.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Um. Still no. Still nobody has said that they're running against maybe so far. I, mean, I I'm know sure that they will. That they but, will.
0: But yeah. I, I do like that maybe got out there.
1: I know, I got a really? fundraising text from her earlier this yeah, week.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm very excited about and that. And Maybe is running as Maybe Pudlo this time. Yeah, oh, that's maybe where the Girl. text
1: came from. So yeah. I'm assuming that, that maybe that's the the case. I don't know. That could be a change. I um, think
0: that probably is a change. Because I think... I feel like the Maybe's campaign has gotten like more serious every time. Yeah, every time. And I, you... Like, you can't run under a full drag name and be a serious contender for office. You can right. be a drag contender. Even persona. though she was, a,
1: I was going to say, even though she's, like, a very serious candidate. She, But
0: that's, you know, I like mean, we you, had her on our right, podcast. Exactly. She's a very serious candidate. And yeah. that last campaign that she ran was, like, way more serious than the first one just because she was given the opportunity to, like, you know, she was a better yeah. known quantity and she was given the opportunity to speak to more people and stuff like that. But um, I feel like, given that there is an opening this time. Yeah. She also
1: announced an endorsement. I think the Burbank mayor mm-hmm. endorsed her yeah. this week. So, like, it's going to be fun. I'm excited for that. I know whatever happens in that race yes yeah
0: i'm excited to find out all 100 people that think they're running in it
1: i know yeah
0: maybe we're running in it we don't even know yet it would be <laughs> impossible could. to know should um, we should you i i mean maybe <laughs> maybe it's, look for i'm gonna i'm, I'm forming <laughs> an exploratory <laughs> an- committee.
1: announcing an announcement to come yes
0: <laughs> i'll make an announcement in the future
1: yeah great okay good
0: um in any case, as a side note about what's going on at the federal level right now, so they've been having a lot of conversations post the State of the Union about Social Security not being touched and not being a part of the debt ceiling conversation, Yeah. which is great. I have one call out for the entire media and every person in America,
1: yeah. which is
0: just that I have seen story after story about how unsustainable Social Security is and how expensive it's becoming. And you, you're seeing this, it was the front page of the New York Times once, you know, at one point this week. Like, there's... Non-stop reporting about how Social Security is bloated and expensive and we're never going to be able to keep up with it and blah, blah, blah. And literally every single one of these stories has neglected to mention the very simple fix that could change all of that, which is raising the cap. And I know we've talked about raising the Social Security cap before on this podcast, and so yeah. we don't need to go through that entire thing again. But what I do need to say is if you are reporting on this story or just talking about it amongst your friends, whatever, doing you <laughs> right, on a Sunday just hanging out with your friends and talking about Social Security like we all do, it is maybe important to remind everyone at all times, in every format that you have this conversation come up, that there is actually a very easy solution to this, so it is in fact not a crisis. Right. It's a man-made crisis like the debt ceiling. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's, we don't have to talk about it like it's in crisis. We're in a crisis state about it because the solution is so painfully obvious and easy that um, we could just pretend like it's doable in a way. You know how like, sometimes people talk about things being possible that aren't possible as a way of making them seem possible? <laughs> Yes. And politically that's a strategy you use where you're like, nobody thought Medicare for All was possible until everyone started talking about Medicare for All and then it was suddenly like, wait, am I hearing about this from everywhere? Could it be possible? (laughs) Like it makes you think to yourself, it's the Overton window conversation really, but like it makes you think to yourself, could I dream this big? And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, are we all dreaming? Maybe this could be a reality if we're (laughs) all dreaming this big. Let's dream as big as talking about social security as if there's an easy fix to this problem instead of an impossible and hard fix because it's actually an easy fix.
1: It is an easy fix. And the other, and the, there's a, another easy fix right. actually that it's i want motion that, that I want to talk about yeah. Well right well Sanders, yeah Sanders and Warren released a plan and I'll be curious to see whether there's democratic support for this. This has always right. been the issue. you know yeah. you' we were talking about the State of the Union last week and like you know Joe Biden was talking about protecting social security, and in my head, I wanted to be like, well let's 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 take a vote on raising the cap or right. eliminating the cap because that's the solution, right? But the other solution is perhaps even more simpler if you can believe it, is that, and, you know, cue people eye-rolling, because I'm about to, you know, talk about modern monetary theory again. <laughs> but seriously, yeah, though, but actually, I mean, yeah. the other fix for making sure Social Security is funded is just to continue funding it. That's right. Just to continue sending checks to old people. That's right. We With can, the money
0: that we printed, so it's not like we we're send, not having to call anyone about We can send this.
1: checks to people. In fact, we now have actual proof that we can send checks to people outside of Social Security because we just did it. Twice. Right. Uh, for, so I, I think, th- first off, there's a great episode of Bad Faith Podcast, which is one of my favorite yes. podcasts, but Stephanie Kelton is on it. And they talk a lot when about this. When you
0: know that we stand Stephanie Kelton.
1: We stand Stephanie Kelton. And she is on there, and she, they were talking about Social Security, in fact, which is sort of you know where I got right. the right. idea to talk about it here. But she, you know, there was played a clip essentially of Alan Greenspan, who was the head of the Fed, conservative, right. by the way, talking to Paul Ryan, whose dream in life is to. And Social Security, right. right? Even though
0: it's literally how he paid his bills after <laughs> right. his uh, yeah, early his father died. Died. Yeah, right. his yeah. father died, yeah.
1: Uh, and he is talking to—you can well, we'll look this clip up online, but he's talking to Alan Greenspan basically about, like, you know, obviously Social Security is going to end if we don't do something, if we don't right. fix it. And Alan Greenspan, again, noted conservative, essentially says to him, well— it doesn't really have to end because we can decide that that's something that we're going to spend our money on. I'm paraphrasing right. him here, obviously. We can invest like, in it
0: because that's like part of holding together the right. fabric of society.
1: Nothing, no programs that we decided to make up here have to go unfunded. If we choose to if if we choose for social security to be funded, then we can just continue paying into it and we continue paying checks yeah. to seniors. It's as simple as that. Certainly it could be paid for by lifting right. the cap and that is a simple solution. It could
0: solution. be paid for in a way that conservatives have advocated for things to be right, paid for. Right, which
1: is like right, by actually having pay for us for something. Right. But like if but we also do, it could also just if, not be. But it could also just not be. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. not actually funding anything in this. It's not it's not like they're using the the United States checking account to send checks to seniors for social security. That's not what's happening.
0: Paul Ryan, <laughs> I believe uh, would like you to think that and also might be slightly misunderstanding it himself.
1: <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. And again, you know, uh, listen to the podcast, but they know.
0: Well, of course. And, yeah. and and
1: that's that's the thing because they they know and Democrats act like they don't. It's yeah. the Democrats who come in and say that they have to fix all of this budget nonsense. Well, Republicans knew that they You know they're, how
0: they know because they can do it when there's a war.
1: Right. Well, when there's a war or when they need, need a tax cut. Yeah. The Republicans knew damn good and well when they passed a $2 trillion tax cut for wealthy people that that was adding two trillion dollars to the deficit they just didn't care because that two trillion dollars was going where they wanted it to yeah. yeah all you're doing when you're spending on the deficit is choosing where the money goes right. and the republicans all the time choose to send it to rich people and the democrats choose to send it to nobody that's right because they're trying to solve the debt crisis <laughs> fuck off
0: right say no just say no
1: D- Send it to old then, people. Like, Send it to me.
0: Right. <laughs> that's, that's what I feel like. I, I feel like if you buy into the framing that these are difficult problems to solve, then you spend all of your life trying to solve them. Right. And this is a problem that if you wanted to solve it the way that Republicans advocate solving it, right. there's an easy you solution. Pay, you, right. You'd you raise the taxes. If you want to solve it the way that people who understand money want to solve it, you just keep paying the bills. Right. Either way, it's a, not a big deal. Couldn't be an easier <laughs> it doesn't solution have on to both be a big ends. deal and that's true of literally anything that is a social priority and holds together the fabric of society. Yeah. And like we'll
1: pay for anything that is a priority. So if right. making sure seniors can eat is a priority, then just keep sending the money. Right.
0: Pay pay. Who did it. <laughs> Solved. But like the the sort of framing around these issues yeah. as if they're un- intractable problems that we're never going right. to come together on. It's like, well, don't worry about it.
1: Right. And as if they're like kitchen table pro- or, uh, right. no, problems exactly. too, you know, it's just sort of like, oh, well, well we they, have, we have to have every dime of social security accounted for like in right. the checking account. It's like, no, you don't. You don't really. That's not, that's not real what no. you're saying today, right now. <laughs> well,
0: and the reason that it's so people are so susceptible to that thinking is because they are kitchen table problems for people. It's just 100%. not, the government is not, doesn't have a kitchen table. No, that's that's what I think. Listening to Stephanie Kelton interviews will help you understand. Yes, is that there is no kitchen table with the government. It's your right. kitchen table is being impacted by people who don't have a kitchen table. Right, they're not the re- worried. Right. This is all this is all made right. up problems. The
1: reason they don't have a balanced budget is because they don't fucking have to.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> and also, they could have it be balanced if they wanted it to be for, but it would all be a, that would be a made up crisis to solve. Yeah. Like, the way that we pursue the solutions to these problems are just building on made-up crises. Yeah. So, with that in mind, read the news carefully when you're hearing these social security stories in the news. And remind yeah. yourself that you don't have to talk about this like it's a crisis. And you can actually create the impression that only that you've the got world's the biggest idiots wouldn't be able to solve it <laughs> by talking like you know that. Because yeah. that's actually true. Yeah. And sadly, our government officials might be the world's biggest idiots, but we do our best.
1: No, that's... A big part of the problem, it's I a think. Big part, a big part of the problem. <laughs> Especially when it comes to social security.
0: Uh, Too true. Well, yeah. we're just stuck in like a conversation around it that has been unproductive for so long because it's entirely based on misapprehensions. I mean, not misapprehensions, misunderstandings about yeah. how everything works.
1: Yeah.
0: From 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 money to government spending <laughs> to your bank account to their bank account mm-hmm. to, you know, it's roller coasters. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. In any case.
1: Well, we got some updates on... The things that we're shooting down in the sky. sky cylinder situation. Um, we got multiple updates from the government that included no discernible new information right. at all. We had what's his name from defense or whoever. I can't remember. The spokesperson or whatever yeah. came out. And then finally, there were enough sort of like calls where I think Biden himself felt like he needed to come out and say something. They both said the same thing. Neither of them said anything. They, at some point this week, coined the term benign balloons, uh, which is like, no, don't be doing that. Balloons implies benign, you guys. It's just like, yeah, I was going to say it's a balloon. It's implied. Yeah. um, But we did get an update on one specific one that we think we might know what it was, the one that was shot down over the Yukon in Alaska. And it seems like it might be a Mylar (laughs) balloon from the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. (laughs) Cost about $100. That's right. Uh, and just a
0: bunch of balloon hobbyists who get together to fly mylar balloons around, just looking at stuff or yep. whatever.
1: Sent it's, its last signal on February tenth, just southwest of Alaska. Um,
0: it has been airborne for 124 days.
1: I know it was on its what was it what, seventh, seventh? seventh circumnavigation of the globe. Yeah, that's impressive, you guys. I know. Well, good thing the Amer- American it makes military you is.
0: Wonder if the what Northern a show, Illinois. What a show of strength! <laughs> the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade is um, an impressive military force in their own right that we should be. Yeah.
1: We finally. About taking
0: advantage of. We
1: finally um, picked a war we could win. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And
0: why are we even fighting this war? It's I. I have been really excited about how many times I have literally overheard complete strangers. Finally mentioning that the only reason we're talking about space cylinders and mylar balloons in the sky is because we're trying to distract everyone from this massive oh, environmental disaster in Palestine, Ohio. What
1: was it that um, Grant Texas texted, uh, texted us about earlier this week that the, the Republicans were saying this was a distraction from? Yes. It, I, it wasn't no, this, it wasn't though. This. it was It was, it was um, something else. Yeah. It was something it's, totally bonkers. The
0: point is we know for sure it's a distraction. <laughs>
1: right, right. <laughs>
0: everyone on every side of the aisle is united on the fact that this is a distraction. Um, I literally was on my way to the farmer's market this morning and the three people behind me were like well and really what is this balloon thing about anyway and another one was like I think that it's a distraction from this huge crisis in Ohio and I was like he got it and then the friends were like I've been thinking the same thing like these are just strangers on the street this came up at dinner the other night like I have been hearing this everywhere and I've been very pleased about it because it is
1: it's been on my fringe Twitter it's been on
0: French Twitter nonstop. For it's all anyone's talking about on French Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is like sort of the uh, the trajectory of an environmental crisis that is man made, which sure. is, and especially one that is privately man made or regulation related man mm, made. Yeah. Um, which is that for like two weeks, everyone is like not talking about it because it's actually really hard to report in a punchy way about a crisis of this scale. If you report on it honestly, it sounds overblown. And if you report on it dishonestly, mm. it sounds unimportant. Because they don't have mm. any proof that anything's happened yet. It's just government officials wandering around being like, the air's probably safe to breathe. Which, <laughs> I have a lot of experience with government officials who don't know shit wandering around telling you the air's probably safe to <laughs> breathe and don't worry about the water. And I know for certain that if you are in a place where you are thinking to yourself, is the water safe and is the air safe to breathe? The answer is definitely no. Yeah. So trust your eyes and ears over what random government officials who are trying to belittle or make a news story go away yeah. uh, want to tell you. But also, I feel like the way that we cycle through news stories, environmental crises are actually really hard to get the sort of public to grasp onto yeah. um, because they're really wide ranging and the effects are really broad. And so you can have either an acute disaster, and so everyone heard about the train crash, but then it was like, well, right. you know, a train crash, and we can just deal with that. We'll just clean it up. And that won't. Like the idea of an ongoing crisis that no one is taking seriously kind of creates its own inertia. Yeah. And so I have been concerned in part because that, you know, fringe Twitter is on the case, but they're on the case with every environmental disaster on earth. And so sometimes it's hard to distinguish which ones are the big ones and which ones are the small ones. <laughs> sure. um, but also, I it, it took a while for reports of, these, of the sort of same kind of like repeated uh, lies that officials tell you in these sources to like come to light. So like I wait to hear an official say, "Don't worry, the air is safe to breathe." Right. Because I am aware, which they did, which they Mm -hmm. did recently. And once I hear that, I'm like, "Oh shit, this is a fucking huge crisis." (laughs) Like that's what that's the thing that like triggers in my mind the moment that I'm like, "Oh man, this is bad." And also, if they tell you the water is safe to drink. Yeah. Both of those things happen after 9/11. While
1: the the governor is only drinking out of bottled water. (laughs) (laughs) Both of those things happen
0: after 9/11, and both times I was like, "Is the air safe to breathe?" 'Cause it smells funny and is the water safe to drink. It tastes funny. Yeah. But like official well, telling seen, You've this- seen the
1: videos of people throwing um things into the water. Have you yes. seen that? Have that right, uh, yeah, uh, uh, putting so yeah,
0: and it's bubbling, uh, putting it milk bubbles, in their water up. and yeah. it bubbling.
1: Yeah. yeah, oh no, I was well oh. and also like in the like in the creeks and rivers mm. outside, you know, where and you can see like whatever this yes. chemical is basically sort of, you know, floating on all the groundwater. Yes. Um yeah, Not the so, groundwater, but the, yeah, it'll it'll be in the, the groundwater soon. That's the thing that <laughs>
0: to me, I'm like, oh, environmental crisis, this is bad. But it takes everyone in America a different degree of, like, trigger thing, I think, to, like, tune into this kind of a story. Because it's yeah. so big that it feels too big. And then you yeah. kind of feel like you can't get, wrap your mind around it. Yeah. Um. But it, also, you almost always try, you always there's always a distraction tactic with something like this. And yeah. I have been excited that I'm starting to hear random people yeah. re- re- realize that a balloons flying around in the sky might not
1: be the most important <laughs> news story of the week. <laughs> right, I agree with you. Um, or of last week, mm-hmm. for that matter. Right, mean, know, we talked I about this that, last week on the podcast yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions going on right now as to, like, how mad we should be at Pete judge. And then people Usually are also pretty mad. Pretty mad and, gonna... I, and I agree with that. And yeah. also, you know, then people are mad at David Sirota because it's the lever who's really has been, like, actually doing the, like, right. good reporting on this. Right. Um, and they're actually now being referenced, like, you know, HuffPose. Huff yeah. And I think even Washington Post, like, referenced, like, a story well, from the or whatever. Well, because it's only left-wing media services are
0: talking right. about it. But then,
1: of course, people accuse David Sirota of just being mad that, you know, Bernie lost the primary to Pete Buttigieg, not to Pete Buttigieg, but I mean like, you know, so it's like, that's the whole thing that's going on. And like all of that, like you can debate all of those things. And certainly there are deregulatory issues. Like that's how this happened. It happened during Trump. So people were saying, don't blame Pete Buttigieg, but he's, you know, been the head of transportation for, for, you know, we're in our third year of him being the head of transportation. So like there's blame to be had all around. And the ways that we fix it are important to talk about because we have to. And like, you know, Judge himself went on some you know news channel this week and was like, well, there's train derailments all the time, as if that was that's sort of like not some sort of, I know. That was like, <laughs> as if that was some sort of like smug way of being like, well, there's nothing to see here. But it's like, A, that's your department. So like right. maybe try and figure that out best you can. And also that was borne out because there was another one like in yes. just outside right. of Detroit this week, a really bad train derailment. Um, So, you know, and there's also like, I think they had relaxed some of the rules about like how well, what we, whether we even know that there's hazardous materials on some of these trains and like, we now, we, there's no rules about like how many train cars can be on some of these things. I think that like that train had like 200 cars attached to it or something ridiculous like that. All of those things. Carrying hazardous
0: materials with like hundreds of cars, that doesn't sound like a great plan.
1: All of those things are like important to talk about, certainly. The thing that has been driving me the most bonkers about this, and we've talked about other situations like this on the podcast, I guess none of them specifically are coming to mind right now, but like where we have something like this and we allow either our silence or our complacency or our just sort of like focus on good government. Like I'm sure that they are probably thinking about this. Like I'm sure all the little worker bees in departments of transportation are going down and doing a bunch of research on, you know, the history of deregulation and all of those things. But like somebody needed to like, issue a statement that like acted like they cared about the people of East Palestine yeah. Ohio. Because what has happened in the two weeks since this went down is that there's been a vacuum, essentially, from judge and Biden and anybody else in federal government. Supposedly FEMA has told Mike DeWine that they're not sending help. Uh, and so now... She's such a choice. So now what you have are people like J.D. Vance becoming mm-hmm. the voice of this. And Donald Trump is going tomorrow, yeah. and look, I understand that these people are disingenuous, and at least like Trump- fucking spe- populists. But at, but at least Trump, and Trump specifically, is partly to blame. Right. But you have allowed them to take up the mantle of taking care of everyday people, and we Democrats do this all the fucking time, and it totally. makes me so crazy. It's, it's absolutely crazy. As making.
0: somebody who has spent a huge amount of time in Washington with Trumpers- I can confirm that there is there is often a choice that gets made about how, you know, in an effort to not seem reactionary or an effort to not seem extreme. Yeah. How uh, sort of aggressively Democrats want to go after the issue of protecting people from government, you know, and because of that. Oftentimes, populist Republicans, and th- that's how Donald Trump ended up as a thing in the first totally. place. Totally,
1: this is rural Ohio. They had a huge like, town hall this week that, like, the train company got a lot of flack for not going because there were threats to um, th- the lives of the people who, yeah. you know, work for them, and like, rightly yeah, so. There I mean, be. they, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, imagine if Pete Buttigieg went, right? would have shown up to that.
0: Right. It's it. It's and he could
1: have. I'm he not could've. even. I'm not even specifically asking them to do. No, I just, just look like you're trying to do something. Just pretend. Just pretend. Put on your pretend face. So this
0: is where they get outsmarted by fascist populists. Yeah. And we have been talking about this since 2014 or whatever. Yeah. Not even. We have been talking about this since <laughs> Us, Mike, <before> Huckabee <laughs> right. to, to Mike Huckabee entered the presidential race. Back to yeah. Mike. Yeah. Because this is what Mike Huckabee was good at that made it possible for him to be a frontrunner for quite a while as a teddy bear looking ridiculous person in yeah. the Republican primary. He was really good at this. This, get, getting a sort of, like, understanding the theatrics of politics yeah. while you're understanding the issues. Like, I think a lot of the Democrats, um, because of their focus on good governance, don't yeah. want to be perceived as playing, polit- you know, as doing theater politics. Yeah. All politics is theater, you guys. Don't worry <laughs> right. about it. That's really not worth, yeah. it's not worth fighting. But because of that, they leave these openings for conservatives, which is a problem that they then end up coming up against electorally, especially in the presidential race, again and again and again, because it is not just how we ended up with a Mike Huckabee frontrunner, it's, you know, it's certainly how we ended up with Donald Trump, but it's how we've ended up with numerous completely insane presidential candidates in the last 10 10 20 years yeah. on, you know the republican primaries have been wild in those you know in, in the last few years and many of the candidates that made the most wild were in their hearts populists right. evil populists but populist nonetheless to the extent by the way that the word populist has a conservative connotation in this right, country only <laughs> it's a fucking left wing movement
1: <laughs> right it's
0: right. an american left wing movement yeah. and it has a conservative connotation because we see this kind of ground all yeah. the time all but as we do all you're time. so right, and it is Almost definitely being done in an effort to look like they're serious politicians right. who are professionals. Doing professional the Professionals
1: work. are on the case.
0: Yes. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it also...
1: Nobody wants professionals in this instance. No,
0: you want to be, you want someone as mad as you are. You want, Donald exactly Trump can be right. as mad as you are. He's totally. a lunatic. He's mad all the time. Yeah. You know, right? like, that's, J.D. Vance is just like walking male rage. Yeah, You know, that's... People... It's what people like about Bernie Sanders too. (laughs) You know, to be fair, it's why those two get compared all the time. Bernie Sanders also really effectively sort of conveys your rage. And that is why progressives love him. That is why the far left is so into them because they're angry too. But I mean like the the this is a moment for populism. Whether or not it's the only thing you're up to is your right. choice. I would contend that maybe you could be up to both professionalism well, and what, populism, you don't, but you it's don't a moment even, for populism. You
1: don't even have to be a populist, really. No, I mean, you know you like, just have even, to
0: fucking act like one for two say, weeks.
1: Just show up and be like, I'm mad and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure this doesn't happen again.
0: That's right. How during Working, presidential working years, class Joe. Exactly. During right? Isn't this presidential why we
1: elected him specifically, elections. by the way?
0: those clips go viral all the time. Totally. If you have seen a clip of someone in a presidential election in the last 10 years, it has been of them going off about how mad they are about the thing that you're mad about. That is what actually sells seats <laughs> right. to, to Congress. It gets ratings. It gets, it gets exactly. <laughs> like, the the idea that, I mean, and this is sort of the, this is what we, this, these are the poor instincts that land Democrats in defense position all the time. Yeah. You know, we, we've been talking about this for, literal decades at this point, but this is like a perfect example, you're so right, of like a moment where they could think to themselves, what would someone who is just trying to see that someone looks like they're doing something do in this moment? And would it be to maybe reflect that you're mad too? Because it would be easy then to tie this to Trump. Because you could be like, I am so mad. And listen, I know that there are omissions when you get really mad about things like this. (laughs) I know that Pete Buttigieg is not going to go there and be like, this was my fault you know right. he's gonna go there and be like this is donald trump's fault and yeah. whatever i actually would advise that he d- do take but, responsibility but if but, he
1: would have gone there first and he said that then exactly. that would have neutered donald trump's visit yes. to that like you have to think you have to you put on think your thinking in your cap you
0: gotta think right <laughs> yeah. you gotta have thinking caps on yeah
1: big brain mode heads. not even big brain mode no
0: medium to small brain mode <laughs> it's like yeah. just idea mode any idea yeah but, yeah, I. It's
1: just so frustrating. They,
0: they leave openings all of these rural Ohio voters. All the time. Who are
1: just going to be like, well, Trump showed up.
0: Yeah. No, it's. I fully anticipate, I mean, you know, thinking about how Donald Trump is who signed the Zadroga Act that got 9 11 responders their victims' compensation money. Mm. Thinking about how that's going to be p- portrayed in Long Island versus in Manhattan, where we know it was oh, like Jerry yeah, Nadler right, and Carol Maloney or whatever, right. is keeps is always something that I keep in mind because there's a reason that so many of the people that I went and like fought for this thing that is ultimately a sort of progressive idea in Washington with were Trumpers. And it's because populism leaves room for them to live with those, uh, to sort of live in that gray area. And think about all of the people who could be feeding off of this while Democrats do literally nothing for these people and wait 10 years for the science to show that there are health problems and the, blo- like, right. if this goes the route that of the 9-11 conversation, that's a 20 year route. And in those 20 years, who has been like, we have had Donald Trump be the president. We have had, you know, um, George Bush be the president twice. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, in those 20 years, a lot of bad choices got made with, you know, <laughs> yeah. We've had Republicans control Congress for much of those 20 years. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a a 20-year solution to this problem that doesn't get on the side of the people right now leads to 20 years of you never being able to get these people to vote for you ever again. Yeah. And also people getting sick, which (laughs) may be the more important thing.
1: Right, exactly.
0: It would be less important in a country with health care, but we live where we live, you guys. Here we are. Yeah. But in any case, do anything. (sighs) Just get in the scene. It's like... (laughs) Show up to get
1: in scene. Ohio. Also, yep.
0: I, the, the idea not to send, like, federal disaster resources there has also been just, like, such a bizarre... I know. And I think they were doing it in an effort to keep it under wraps.
1: Well, that's what... Or or make it seem like there was nothing to see here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And it's like... And then all week we're going to be following balloons around and then no one's going to ever find out that there was a huge crisis going on. I know. In any case, <sighs> the good news is... America. That in the next 20 years, there is finally a precedent for a crisis like this to cause federal compensation for people.
1: That's true. Yeah, so there's a plan now. There's a plan. Thank you, I, mean, L- I don't know if it's Lila Nordstrom uh, wrote a book about it. That's you right.
0: <laughs> you could read my book. It's called Some Kids Left Behind, and you should have it on your bookshelf now.
1: Yeah. Um, where, yeah, where books are sold.
0: Available wherever books are sold. Oh. In any case, that's the news this week. This has been your weekly news report from two of the greatest racket sports uh, <laughs> athletes right. ever known to me um and we'll be back post uh post tennis and pickleball next That's week. That's right. To uh you know, keep you keep yeah. you updated. Yeah,
1: should we just do a racket sports update at the beginning of each podcast? Certainly.
0: I mean, I think it would make sense. Yeah. Now that people know that they have two living legends hosting <laughs> this podcast. Yeah, exactly. So it makes good sense. Yeah. Um but we this is the exciting season where people start to uh announcements come fast and furious.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say so, you know. If you listen, you know. Tell your friends. This, this is this our is,
0: this is where we shine.
1: This is the podcast you're gonna want to be listening to. That's right. Gonna
0: yeah. you know, find out about every lunatic who's planning to run for president <laughs> for the next ten months and you're gonna love it. That's right. Um we'll talk to you next week.
1: Bye. Bye.